So how you guys doing? How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing all right. My name is Bill Reeser. I'm the pastor of Encounter, and I want to welcome everyone out to the greatest place to be on a Friday night. I want to I want to welcome everyone that's watching online around the country and everyone here in the Father's house in Santa Clarita, California. I want to welcome our very special dear family member Barbara Graham back in the house tonight. Yeah, we we miss you, Barbara, and we love you, and we love everyone that's watching, and we're so excited about tonight, because tonight we wrap up our 12 Anchors of Hope, and uh, it's been an unbelievable 12-week series. So many of you have gone through the curriculum. So many of you are getting ready to go through the study, uh, but Anchor 12 is simply this, live out and share the hope that I now have. And I just want to remind everyone that the mission of Encounter is to help broken and hurting people overcome life's adversities so that they can discover the free life devoted to Jesus Christ. And our signature verse from our ministry comes from Hebrews 6.19. It says this, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And our four pillars, especially if you're taking notes tonight, of encounter, you hear me say this all the time, these are the foundational pillars that this ministry is built on. The pillars of one, discipleship, recovery, evangelism, and community. Let me say it again. Discipleship, recovery, evangelism, and community. That's what this whole ministry is is built around those pillars. And as we wrap up this series, this 12-week series, our signature verse for Anchor 12 is found in 1 Peter 3.15, which says this, always, always be prepared to give an answer, to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. This is what Anchor 12 is all about. It's about telling others about the goodness of God and how he has changed your life. Because if you're not willing to tell others about the goodness of God and the healing in your life, there's a chance you may lose it. And that's why this may be the most critical anchor to live out. Because if you don't live it out, you could lose it all. And you've got to be able to tell. You've got to be able to share with others how God has changed your life. Because that encounter, the key to really recovering, the key to really getting well from any adversity or hurt in your life is to know God and make his word the authority over your life by embracing and living out God's, are you ready for this, discipleship pathway for your life. You always hear me talk about this, discipleship, obedience to God. And some of you have maybe even an issue with that. Bill, why do you always talk about that? Well, it's not really me you have a problem with. It's really Jesus you have a problem with because here's what Jesus said in John 8, 31 and 32. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. He goes on in verse 36. So if the Son of God sets you free, 
you will be free indeed. In other words, nobody can set you free but Jesus Christ. Nobody can raise you from the dead. Nobody can help you overcome life's hurts, adversities, issues, strongholds in your life but Jesus Christ. And when you surrender your life to the lordship and leadership of Jesus Christ and make God's word the authority over your life, here's one thing that should be welling up in your heart, and that's gratitude. Gratitude is the driving factor in your heart that should be the motivation for all your actions. Gratitude compels you to spend the rest of your life getting to know the creator of the universe who created you for his pleasure and his purposes. Gratitude compels you to live a life of surrender and humility. It's a life of putting other people first. It's a life of sharing the hope that you now have with the lost and dying world that has no hope. Watch television for 30 minutes. Put on the news and you will realize there's no hope out there. And as you apply the 12 anchors, you'll discover that if you want to get close to God, you have to learn how to run errands for the Holy Spirit. And when God sends you on those errands, they are always errands that put you in a position to share your faith, to encourage others, to evangelize, to talk to others about the faith that you have, the hope that you have, your relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't know if you know this, but God is the great recycler of pain. And when you go through an encounter study and you go through this ministry in full surrender, God will take your pain, he'll heal you and set you free, and he'll make you a trophy of his grace. That's what he does. He specializes in just taking all your muck and your junk and everything that you have, all the stinky stuff, your stinking way of thinking, and just recycle you and your pain and make you a trophy of his grace. And living out these 12 anchors not only changes you and your eternal destiny, but it changes you for the rest of your life, and it changes your life here on earth. It sets you up to experience what Jesus was teaching his disciples when he said, here's how I want you to pray. Pray for heaven on earth. Lord, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the sad thing is, and this is what keeps me up at night, is that most Christians, never mind People who are not followers of Christ. Most Christians will never experience what heaven on earth really means. It's living the abundant life, full of miracles, healing and blessing. A power source that lives inside of you through the Holy Spirit. That enables you and empowers you to live your destiny of purpose and power and healing and freedom so that you can change a lost and dying world. That's what living for Jesus is all about. Now here's the deal. God helps you overcome your adversaries and your adversities when you allow him to lead and guide your life. Here's what he does. He helps you cope better. He helps you respond better to the people and things that have caused you problems and pain in your life. Now, sometimes God changes the situation. Most of the time, he changes you and sends you back into that same situation so that you can deal with the situation better, so that you can be changed with a whole different thought process, a whole different mental mindset process, so that you can know how to cope better. You can't change all that happens to you, but you can change how you respond to the things that have happened to you. He allows trouble 
to come your way. I love this. Trouble to come your way. When was the last time you just embraced the sufferings in your life? Like the Apostle Paul talked about. He allows trouble to come your way so you can help someone else going through the same type of trouble that you've gone through. He will use your pain, and folks, he'll give you a ministry to others. You may not realize this, but by coming to Encounter, you're signing up for ministry. You're signing up to be on God's team, to be used by God. You're signing up to be a priest of your home. You're signing up to change and to witness and to evangelize to whomever, wherever, because that's what you're signing up for. It's God's pathway and prescription for continued healing and growth. When we say yes to always being prepared to give an account of the hope that we now live for. The Apostle Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. He said, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord and Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. How many people know that our Father in heaven is the God of all comfort? Absolutely. Who comforts us in all our troubles? Not some of our troubles, all of our troubles. Anybody ever been in trouble? <laughs> Hello? I see we have a bunch of people in denial tonight. God comforts us in all of our troubles. Why? Whenever you see us so that, that's the reason why he, he does this for you. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. See, sharing your struggles and your celebrations and your hope in a safe community can bring great healing not only to others, but continued healing and growth in your own life. You want to stop the growth and healing in your life? Stop witnessing to others. Stop giving back to others. See, once you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, that gratitude that wells up in your heart compels you to witness and talk to a lost and dying world about him and what he has done for you. You want others to have an encounter with God, to encounter the same God that you've encountered to have the same life-changing experiences that you've had with the Holy Spirit. See, evangelism involves telling others God's story through sharing your own personal story of how he has transformed your life and given you hope. Here's what it is. It's allowing God to rewrite his story in your story and making his story in your life. It's making your story, his story, so you can tell others about the greatest story ever told. And that's how Jesus Christ loved you so much that he died on a cross for you personally to save you from yourself so that you can be forgiven, so that you can be set free, so that you can have an eternal life, so that you can live in freedom it's the greatest story ever told. His story being rewritten as your story. And when you spread the gospel, which is his story in your story, his life now becoming your life, 
the easiest way that you can share that is to let others see how God has changed your life. Here's what people can never argue with. You can argue scriptures and debate scriptures all day long, and you'll find people that will argue with you for the next 10, 20 years, but no one could ever challenge you on how God has changed you from the inside out. No no one could ever challenge the fact that God has changed you and he now lives inside of you. When you are truly transformed by God and your life reflects those heart, mind, and soul changes, people will take notice and they will start asking questions. What kind of questions are people asking you? Because if you're living for God, and you're full of the Holy Spirit, people will ask questions. And the most effective and important way to share the hope that you now have is looking at the life of Jesus and following his example of leadership of how he invited others to live for him. You've heard me say this before in past teachings. It's the Jesus model of leadership. And here's what it is. It's where Jesus invites all of us to come and see, follow me, and go and tell. Come and see. Follow me. Go and tell. Jesus invites us to come and see what life with him is all about. Come and see what grace is. Come and see what forgiveness is. Come and see what eternal life is, what salvation is, what the abundant life that Jesus Christ died for is. Come and see what miracles are all about. Come and experience healing. Come and see what freedom looks like. Come and see what real joy and purpose in life is all about. Come and see what freedom from depression is all about. Hopelessness is all about. Come and see what life is all about. The life that I give. It's a great life. And the invitation, as you read in Scripture, where Jesus invites the disciples to come and see wasn't an invitation that he gave for the disciples over 2,000 years ago. It's an invitation that extends through this day to each and every one of us. Jesus invites all of us to come and see. Come and see and check out this life with me, what it's all about, the abundant life. I always tell people, you're looking at a satisfied customer when it comes to my relationship with Jesus Christ. I have no regrets. There's no way I'm looking back. There's no way I'm turning back. I'm only looking forward because God has prepared a place and God has plans for me to prosper me, to give me a hope and a future, and there's no way I could ever live any other life than to be sold out for the cause and purposes of Jesus Christ because that is the life. It's a great life, and Jesus invites us to come and see. I have tasted and seen that God is good, and so many of you have as well. And Jesus invites you to come and see how great and awesome life with him is all about. And how great and awesome and how your life is going to be changed if you follow him and allow him to lead your life. And once you've seen, once you've come and seen how great that is, he extends another invitation that takes you to the next step after you have come and seen. Now he invites you to follow him. Come and see. Now that you've seen, now I want you to follow me. Now I want you to die to yourself. He invites you to die to yourself. He invites you to die to your old ways. Now he knows it's not going to be easy for you or, or this life is not going to be popular by the world's standards, 
So he helps you. You know how he helps you? He sends you the Holy Spirit. God himself to live inside of you. To help you follow him in his strength and his power. And not in your own strength, wisdom, and power. He invites you, and it's an invitation, to pick up your own cross. To deny yourself. To forsake your life for the abundant life filled with purpose, power, and hope. He invites you to crucify your old self, your selfish motives, your desires, your human instincts, your earthly goals, ambitions, your past, your shame, your regrets, your mistakes, your pain, your disappointments, your strongholds, and anything else that would keep you from thinking and acting the way Jesus would think and act. Jesus also invites you to be his friend. He says, why don't you just be my friend? But he says this, here's what God's word says. God tell, God's word tells us to be a friend of the world is to be an enemy of God. James 4, 4 says, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred? Oh, that's strong. Hatred towards God. Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. What does that mean? It simply means that you can choose God or you can choose the world. But you can't have one foot in the world and one foot in with God. There's no way you can do that. But your choice matters. Not only now, but for eternity. It's the difference between incorporating God into your life or making him your life. If, he, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Leave a part of your life out with God and you take the chance of being taken out by the enemy of your soul. You go 99% in with God and leave 1% out for the world, that's all the enemy needs is that 1% that you're not willing to turn over to God. What is it in that 1%? Is it your finances? Is it your sex life? What is it? Is it the things you watch? The things you talk about? Am I getting in your business? It's tight, but it's right. Come on, people, now. When Jesus invites you to follow him, he invites you with an all-inclusive invitation. His arms are always open wide. You see, he wants all of you all of the time. Not just some of you, some of the time. Jesus went all in with you and he wants your response to him to be an all-in response for him. And you know why? You know why he invites you to live for him this way? It's because he loves you. It's because he created you for his pleasure and his purposes. Because he loves you more than you could ever love yourself or anyone else in this world. Because he knows. I remember when I was... Anybody remember the show Father Knows Best? You're really old if you remember that show. Okay? Okay? Yeah, yeah. I remember the show. I'm really old. But our Father knows best. His plans for you are better than any plan that you could ever make for yourself. It is, God has a plan for you. How many people would agree that if God wrote out a plan for your life, that would be the best plan for your life? Of course. Then what is it in us 
that makes us war against and turn away from that plan each and every day. Even though he's put together, and he actually wrote out this plan, it's in Scripture, talks about it, that he wrote a plan out for your life. It's a detailed plan for your life that he wrote out more than 2,000 years ago. For your life, even before he created planet Earth. The Bible says every day of your life is recorded in his book, Psalm 139. Don't have time to go there. That's an extra blessing. It wasn't in the talk. It's the bonus plan. You got it. It's the only way you're ever going to recover and experience freedom and victory in this life. Finally, Jesus invites you to another invitation. Come and see. Follow me. And here's the third invitation. This is the one that freaks a lot of you out. This is the one that scares most of you to death. And here it is. You ready? Go and tell. Now, some of you love this. You love going and telling others about other people. It's just built into your DNA. Oh, let me tell you about what Susie did the other night. Sister, I'm telling you. You love going and telling. But the question is, are you going and telling people about Jesus? You see, Jesus invites you to go and tell. See, once you come and see and follow him, Jesus gives you more than an invitation. You see, the go and tell is not an invitation. It's a command. It's specific instructions for us that we're to participate in. He gives us a command to go and tell others by spreading the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He doesn't give you an option. He doesn't say do it only if you feel comfortable. No, he commands that you go out into the world. Here's Jesus' last words in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Here's that word discipleship again. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. If you're wondering what discipleship is, here it is. These are the words of Jesus. Just like he was talking about in John 8, 31. And teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. You do that. You participate in that by saying yes to that commandment. And here's the promise. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. How many times have you ever stopped in your life and said, God, where are you? Live out the Great Commission and you can know that God's with you all the time. He's with you all the time anyway. You see, the Great Commission is not a church initiative or a command just for disciples. We are commissioned. We are commanded to spread the good, spread the good news and make disciples. The goal for you is not how much stuff you can buy. It's about how many people you're going to be able to take to heaven with you when you die. And God has allowed you to be a part of spreading the gospel to others so that they can know him and be in heaven with him for eternity. Have you ever thought about what giving yourself completely away for the cause of Christ would look like? Because here's what it entails. It's giving freely of your time to others. It's sharing your healing with others by telling them your story. 
sharing the wisdom that God has taught you with others, sharing the knowledge that you've gained. It's giving generously of your money to God's purposes, holding loosely to the things you treasure so they don't have a hold on you, sharing the ministry God has entrusted you with others so he's glorified in sharing the gifts and talents to bless others so that you can advance God's kingdom. You know how God builds his kingdom and expands his kingdom? Through ordinary people like you and me. That's how he does it. Ultimately, it's always about sharing the greatest news in the world that Jesus saves and he changes us and he's still in the healing and chain-breaking business today because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when you live out the Great Commission, you serve others freely. And you do nothing at a selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, you consider others better than yourselves. Because you'll never lock eyes with someone that Christ hasn't died for, and you'll come to a place where if gratitude melts your heart, you'll realize that the only difference between you and anyone else in this world is the grace of God. And if you ever, ever really mean this prayer and really pray it, God, help me see people through your eyes and love them with your heart. It'll change how you minister to others and it will help you change a lost and dying world. You help less fortunate, those people that are less fortunate than you are. You walk alongside someone who's struggling with similar pain or hurts that you've struggled with or still struggle with. You give freely to others with an attitude of gratitude. Once you lose gratitude, you're a goner. You're filled with thanks. You not only look to be blessed, but you become a blessable person that lives to bless others. You open up your heart. You open up your wallet and your life to support God and his agenda. And you lay down your own selfish agenda at the foot of the cross and surrender it so that his will can be done in your life. I love what the Apostle Paul said. And you know, this is my mission verse, my personal mission verse found in Acts 20, 24. He said, but my life is worth nothing to me, nothing to me, until I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. The Apostle Paul was very clear on communicating what his assignment was and how important it was for him to be a servant and follower of Christ. See, when you go and tell, listen to me very carefully, you may be the only Bible someone will ever read. Make sure you are a good translation. Be grace-filled. Be humble. Be truthful. And most importantly, be led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was really clear when he said this in the Bible, in case you're saying, nah, you do that, Bill. You do that well. I'm not going to do that. That's not my calling. Well, here's what Jesus said. Matthew 10, 32, 33. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. The ministry of Jesus... Jesus' ministry was a public ministry. He died for the world to see. And he wants your faith to be public. 
He wants you to go and tell others about the hope that you now have. Ephesians 2.10 says that you are God's masterpiece. You are God's workmanship created to go public with the gifts God gave you and the mission God planned for you thousands of years ago. Whether you realize it or not, you are a walking translation for the hope that you have. You are giving answers to a world that has questions. The manner in which you live communicates the hope for which you live. People around you are watching you. They're watching every move you make, and they are asking. And the question is, are you emulating a life of hope, a life that loves and lives like Jesus, a life that is led by the Holy Spirit? People don't care about how much you know or what you know. They want to see if you're willing to live out your beliefs and your convictions. They want to see if you're willing to live out what you know when the pressure is on, when the heat is turned up, when the storm is raging, and the battle and struggle is real. They want to know if you're going to hold on to the hope that you now have when trouble comes knocking at your door, because that's when they're watching most. People want to see how well you handle adversity how well you handle setbacks, how well you handle disappointments. They want to see what your answers are in those situations. So my question to you is this, what kind of answers are you giving? Because you're giving answers. Are you communicating well the hope that lives inside of you? An encounter, the goal is that you get well. The goal is that you do overcome all of life's adversities. The goal is to help you become an overcomer. You know what overcomers do? Overcomers invite others to come and see. They invite others to follow him. And they always go and tell. They always go and tell. Living out the encounter, 12 anchors of hope, will help you give an answer for the hope that you now have. If you come and see what knowing and loving God is all about, it, that will give you an answer. If you follow Jesus, it'll give you an answer. If you go and tell others about God and what he has done for you, it will give you an answer. Now, here are some practical ways that you can live out and go and tell others about the hope that you now live for. I just want to share a couple of things. I don't have time because I'm already behind and I got to move. I was just thinking, I told the guys I'm going 30 minutes. I, I, I lie every week. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. Oh. They're clapping, yeah. Here's the first thing. Loving God and serving others. Listen, the greatest commandment, love, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And love others. And love others the same way. You can't say, I love God, and hate another brother and sister. You know, I, I, I just, uh, I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but I, I, just, I just hate, I, I, I hate racism. I just really do. And if you watch TV, it's just a terrible mess. It's just, we, it, it just seems like, like people want to bring this issue to the forefront. And Racism is not a political issue. Racism is a heart issue. And it's only an issue that can be solved by God. 
That's only an issue that could be changed and fixed when God's love comes into our hearts. Because either you love God and love others or you don't. And if you don't, you could fall into the trap of becoming a racist. People who are racist don't love God because they don't love other people. And when you love God, you love other people. Now, I can't teach you to love. I can only compel you to love. But the only way I can compel you to love is if you receive the love that God has for you first that can only come through a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. That can fix the racism issue in this world. It's allowing Jesus Christ to change our hearts. Next, here's another, just another tip from Uncle Bill. <laughs> Be the spiritual leader wherever you are. Be the spiritual leader in your home. Be the priest of your home if you're a man. If you don't have a home, if your home is lost, you, your family's gone, be the spiritual leader where you are. Wherever God has you, in the workplace, in the house that you're in, the neighborhood that you're in, be the leader. Spiritually lead those around you. Wherever you are, you can spiritually lead those around you. Make sure you're volunteering in your church and, and ministry and encouraging others in the body of Christ. That's where I just want to take a quick time out because I never, ever, ever get to say thank you enough for the commitment that so many of you have given to the ministry of Encounter. The way you serve, the way you love others, and the way you just do whatever it takes to keep everything running so that people can find hope and I just want to thank you for how you serve and how you live out this principle. Thank you so very much for how you do that. Uh, next one is giving generously of your time, talents. And this is a big one because you don't hear me talk about finances too much. But I just want to share something with you about your finances. So many of you come up to me and say, we're just struggling. And I just want to, and so many of you have approached me, oh, when things get better, I'll be able to give and, and support Encounter. Well, I'll be able to give back to God. See, and God says, God says, God says this. Give to me now. Just give me the first of whatever you have, and I'll bless you so much. You won't even be able to contain the blessing that I have for you if you hold loosely everything that I give you. And first of all, you have to realize that, listen, if you only have $10, that $10 came from God. You have $100 in your bank. That $100 came from God. And since everything, every good gift that you have, everything that you have, that job that you got, it came from God. I just want to share with you the last Old Testament book, Malachi. And here's what it says. It says, I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will, re I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. So God's saying, come back to me. Come back. Come back to me. But you ask, how are we to return? This is God speaking. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? This is God speaking in tithes and offerings. And he says this, you are under a curse since you're not giving the first of what you make to me. 
I'm not suggesting that's the case for you, but in here he says, you're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tide into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. This is the only place in the Bible where God says, test me on this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You have said harsh things against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? And this is when we, when we grumble about serving and showing up and it becomes a labor. In verse 14 it says, but you have said it is futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out this requirement? What do we gain by coming to encounter and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty. But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly the evildoers prosper, and even those who challenge God escape. But watch this. I love this. Then those who feared the Lord, like we're doing, talked with each other, just like we're talking right now. And the Lord listened and heard. I love this. I love this. I, Lord, I love your word. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. Wow. God's writing a book about you. Verse 17, they will be mine, says the Lord Almighty. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, oh, this is why you give. This is why you serve. I will spare them. Just as in compassion a man spares his son who serves him. And you will see again the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. Between, here it is, for those who serve God and those who do not. That is a great word for us tonight. All right, we got to wrap this thing up. All right. The Apostle Paul put it this way. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He prayed that he would die daily to himself. He wanted to live out the life of Christ within him. He wanted to deny his selfish old nature so he could live out the purpose of God in his life. He wanted others to encounter the Jesus he had encountered. The Apostle Paul became committed to the cause of Christ. And just as a reminder in case... You don't know much about the Apostle Paul. This was a guy who killed Christians for a living. He killed Christians for a living. And most of tonight's teaching is coming from the Apostle Paul. Now he lives to die to himself so others can experience the resurrection and the abundant life in Jesus Christ. John the Baptist said it this way, I must decrease so he can increase. When you have the best news in the world, you want to share it with others. And you want others to experience more of him and less of you. Even Jesus in Philippians made himself nothing to accomplish the purposes and plan of God. He came to serve, not to be served. 
He humbled himself repeatedly, and he came in the form of a baby in humble surroundings. He carried a cross. He died on that cross, and he took away the sins of the world upon himself as payment for your sins, my sins, and every sin that was ever committed. He was obedient to God all the way to death, through the grave, and defeated all of it. Now listen, here's what it has to do with us. By applying all 12 anchors of hope, 12 anchors of hope to your life, your life is now different. (coughs) You're not the same anymore. You're different. You're different than when you first started. You're different now than when you first started coming to encounter in the beginning of the year by applying these 12 anchors of hope. Here's what you did this year. Here's what you did in these past 12 weeks. You made the decision first to get well, and you realize that you do a terrible job at playing God. You now have hope and a firm foundation for which you live your life by. You made the decision to accept God's love by accepting his son, Jesus Christ, and trusting in the finished work of Christ. You realize what your new and true identity in Christ is. You got honest about your past so that you can discover God's best version of you in the future. You decided to become a disciple by allowing God to make the transformation changes he wanted to make in your life. You closed all your accounts with other people by forgiving them. And you experience the peace of God. You allow God's word to become the authority over your life. You decided to make prayer a priority so you can grow your relationship with your father. You're now armed for spiritual battles by putting on God's armor and getting dressed daily for battle. You've learned how to take your thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ when thoughts come to your head that are not from God. You trust in the power of the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you. And as a result of living out all these anchors of hope, your mission now in life is to share them anywhere with anyone, no matter what the cost. St. Francis of Assisi once said, you should preach at all times, but sometimes use words. That doesn't mean you shouldn't speak. It means that the way you live your life should speak even more louder than your words. And that your word should represent a life well lived for God. So I want to say to you again, be a good translation so people can appropriately interpret the hope that you now have. You can choose to be selfish or you can choose to be a servant. You can choose a mindset of what's in it for me or a mindset of how can I share what's in me with a lost and dying world. Two different mindsets. Overcomers share their hope and healing with others. You now know where hope can be found. Share it with others so that they can have hope. Friends, invite them to come and see, follow Jesus, and go and tell. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. And as we were wrapping up this study, and my wife... And my wife just finished writing the curriculum. God gave her a verse. And I'm going to close the 12 weeks out with this one verse. And I hope it's a great encouragement to you. And I think it just, it's just a great bow tie. 
just a great way to just end an unbelievable 12 Anchors of Hope series. It's found in Philippians, and it says this. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, to continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Notice it doesn't say work for your salvation. Because you are saved, it says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And here it is. Are you ready? Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Let's worship.